0: On today's Truth Factor discussion, we're going to look at the consequences that came upon Peter and John for healing the lame man. We'll be looking in Acts chapter 4 and look at the the charges against Peter and John and their defense uh, regarding what they had done and talking about how those things were done. Thank you so much for joining us for our truth factor discussion on this Wednesday. It is our goal to do our best to factor the truth of God's word into our lives and hopefully yours. And we want to let you know that we thank you so much. We very much appreciate your willingness to join us for our study today. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Paul for just a moment. So Paul can tell everybody how and how to tell you how you can participate in today's study.
1: Uh, one of our favorite parts of our study is when we have, uh, Interaction with those who may be watching, and whether you're watching on YouTube, uh, Facebook, or maybe you're involved with us on Twitter, uh, what you want to be searching for and looking for is the words Truth Factor Live uh, YouTube.com/Truth Factor Live, the same with Facebook, the same with Twitter. And if you look for those, you'll be able to interact with us. Uh, you might also, if you want to send a group uh, email, uh that will hit all of us. You might send that to questions at truthfactor dot com or you can email any one of us individually. For instance, mine would be Paul at truthfactor.com or John or Mike or uh Tom uh, at truthfactor uh, dot com. And I didn't want to leave anyone out else out, uh, Brian or Brent or uh Shelton. Uh, any of us, you can email that way. If we say something that you wanted to follow up with us on or had a specific question for us, we'd be happy to uh, talk with you that way as well.
0: Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and launch today's study into Acts chapter 4, sir, if you would.
2: Happy to do so and appreciate those that are viewing to study with us. At Acts chapter 3, just to briefly review... Peter and John had been at the temple. They heal a man that had been lame from birth, and by the name of Jesus Christ, according to verse 16 of the third chapter, uh, by the name of Jesus Christ, by faith through his name, this man was made whole. He goes leaping through the temple praising God, but it caused a great disturbance among the people. And so at uh, verses 18 through 26 of the third chapter, Peter's preaching a sermon that calls for the repentance of every soul. The following then uh, in chapter 4 is the reaction. And Sheldon, if if you would please read verses 1 through 4. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to you two questions. I missed the chat room question. I don't know who puts that in there, but uh, I guess Brian or John, you can add the chat room question in here. In verses 1 through 4, for those that are watching and studying with us, the question is, by what other name do we recognize the preaching of the resurrection from the dead? So you'll be studying on that. Sheldon, if you would please read verses 1 through 4, and then uh, we'll come to the questions for that section of study.
3: Absolutely. I'd be happy to. I am reading from the New King James Version. In Acts chapter four. <clears throat> Let's see here, there we go. Verse one says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening and However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Okay,
2: Shelton, thank you for that. Why would these priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, be so grieved, as the King James says, so disturbed, upset, that the apostles would preach through Jesus the resurrection of the dead?
3: Well, I believe there are probably two reasons that, that I considered for the answer to that question. And uh, I think the first thing is they're all in positions of authority. They all have their certain role and, and they're in this place of authority over the people. And this preaching of Jesus being being the Christ threatens that. It makes him as the authority and, instead of them. So I think there might be a little bit of that going into why they're upset about this teaching. But in Acts chapter 5, uh, which we'll get into next week, hopefully we... Uh, we see them doing the same thing, and now they say, why are you putting this man's blood on us uh, mm-hmm. when he goes into accusing them of, of being the ones who persecuted Christ? Why are you putting this man's blood on us? So I think those are the two factors uh, as to why they're upset about the apostles going around teaching through Jesus this resurrection is because they're threatened maybe by their authority. That's an assumption, of course. We're not, we're not told that in Acts 4. But what we are told in Acts five is that they are upset that they're accusing them and, and putting Jesus's blood
2: on, on them. Well, that's true, and there might be a third: the fact that the Sadducees refused to believe. Objected resurrection. resurrection. That's right. So, uh, and and that certainly we certainly would enter into this. But they uh, with these angry leaders, Sheldon, uh, that arrest the apostles. That arrest and imprisonment overnight, obviously, would stop them publicly from speaking anymore. But there nevertheless was a marvelous thing that happened as a consequence of their preaching Jesus and the resurrection. What's that consequence? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, what? what's amazing to see
3: here, I believe, is that through this persecution, through it, all those who are going to try to stop the spreading of the message of Jesus, the spreading of the gospel— they're not going to succeed. And that same thing's happening today with either those who are teaching false doctrines, trying to stop the spread of actual truth, or those who reject Christ completely uh, and reject his teachings completely. There's always going to be those who are trying to stop the word of God. But as we see here in verse four, Mm
1: -hmm.
4: uh,
3: there were still many who heard the word. Those many, they believed the word. And uh, the number of men came to be about 5,000. So is the oh, church
2: growing? The church is indeed growing. In in Acts two, we saw about three thousand added to the church. Now five thousand. Uh, Sheldon, you're one of the youngest in the panel, and I hope that you end up being one of the oldest. But in in all my fifty plus years of preaching, I don't think I could add up five thousand people that have obeyed the gospel. It had a marvelous effect. <laughs> And so the preaching of the gospel of Christ should indeed have that same effect even yet today. I'm positive it does. Romans 1, 16 and 17 shows that it is indeed the power of God. Thank you for that, Sheldon. Uh, No problem. Thank you. Do do any of the rest of you have things to add to that before we go on to Thomas in the next section here? Okay, Tom, if you would, please read for us verses... uh, uh, 5 through 12, and we'll, we'll bring in your discussion of this of this passage. Okay, all right. So here we
4: have uh, in uh, verse number 5, and it, it tells us here, And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven
2: given among men by which we must be saved. Thank you, Tom. Now, remember from the chat room question uh, that we're asking by what do we recognize the teaching uh, uh, and preaching of the resurrection of the dead? And we'll come to that answer in just a minute, Tom, but in the in interim of this, remember that's what's got all these people upset. Oh, yeah. And and with that, we've added some some more folks that are angered about this. Who are they? Okay, well, well, on this occasion, we, we, we find that
4: Peter and John have been arrested, and they've been carried before what we would describe as the council or or the Sanhedrin might be another way of describing them, uh, which was uh, which was the Jewish the Jewish leadership, uh, and and so on. It was kind of like what we would describe as our Supreme Court. You know, mm-hmm. the, they had a final say in decisions and in various different ways. And you have several of the individuals mentioned, Annas and Caiaphas. We've heard about before. Uh, long story short, one of them was officially recognized by Rome. I believe it was Caiaphas as the high priest at that time. The other one was uh, more recognized by the Jews who had been deposed years earlier and so on. Uh, uh, and then just other individuals who were on this particular court. And what's interesting is it says it was the family of the high priest. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, the angering that would be associated with it. You know, uh, when Sheldon was reading there, you asked him about the resurrection and so on. And 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 I just think it's worthy of note how often the resurrection comes up and how it's used to provoke. And and, and, I, and I think that's one of the reasons it, it it's mentioned and one of the things that provokes the anger here. I, I want you just to remember that the resurrection had not happened too long prior to this, and uh, they couldn't refute it. That's uh, that's really the point, and that's the problem, because it was the resurrection
2: that was causing people to turn oh, to yeah. Christ. That's exactly right, Tom. That brings up the, the next point here. They're yeah. angered the, in the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead. They have no explanation as to how that happened other than to give credit to God, which this council was not about to do. So then they bring Peter and John they arrest them they set them in the midst of them and they begin to ask them questions and one of them's rather strange to ask yeah so they didn't believe tell us about that yeah it's in verse number 7 uh, uh,
4: uh it, by what power or by what name have you done this and and we know that they know the answer to that i i, I don't know if they're trying to get a different answer from them or whatever but or, or if they're using it as a stepping stone to have some kind of a reason to, to do something to them. But I mean, uh, but that's what they're asking. By, by what power or what name are you doing the things that you are
2: doing? And of course, Peter is going to explain that in the next few verses. Well, and let let's go to Brian and and let him do that. Brian, it it's rather interesting that uh, Peter replies to this, and while the answer is very simple, we do it in the name of Jesus he immediately, Peter does, goes immediately into preaching uh, what we would call the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. How those things tie together? How do you credit one man with a healing and then preach the gospel for that?
5: You know, that's a, that's a great question. And, of course, we understand that when Jesus arose from the grave, he was given all authority in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28 tells us. And so by that resurrection, the authority of Christ was established. Um And I think it's interesting too that Peter points to them and and is is pointing to them an incontrovertible fact that they mm-hmm. had crucified Jesus and that Jesus had been raised from the dead. uh The very thing that they deny is possible uh was in fact something that everybody had been witness to, and so they're declaring that it is the authority of Jesus in his resurrection that restores health, just as we still teach to this day as they did then that being baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the means by which we obey the gospel.
2: Absolutely so. Uh, Romans 6 teaches that implicitly. It takes you through the death and the burial and resurrection of Christ, and we die to sin, we're buried in baptism, and rise to walk in newness of life. Great point. Now, Brian, while we're still with you, Peter brings up the fact here in verses 11 and 12 That this is the stone, and obviously in context we know that the stone is meaning Jesus. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Where, Where does Peter get this information? How does he know about this stone? Where does that all come from? That's that's another great question, Mike.
5: And the answer is Peter is actually quoting from the Old Testament, uh, from Psalm 118. Uh, If you'll let me, uh, Mike, I'd love to read that really quickly. Um, In fact, I'll start at verse 21, where David, the author, is speaking about salvation. He says, I praise you. You've answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That term, uh, I really love that passage, Mike. And what I especially like, and I think in in the handout you sent us, you also focused in on it, is that expression that ties the the establishment of the cornerstone as being the day that the Lord made, which which is just such a neat term because – all throughout the gospel accounts. You see Jesus referring to the day uh, that his authority is established, the day that he has come on. And so the day of the Lord, the day of the uh, the Lord's kingdom being declared was upon them. And mm-hmm. so it was the case that, that he's tying this rejection of the stone, the establishment of the cornerstone for the kingdom, and that all of this was God's purpose in what he was accomplishing.
2: Well, I appreciate that, Brian. And the uh, the kingdom also we need to recognize that's just another name for the church and that coming into being on this first pentecost that follows the resurrection of Christ all of these prophecies now are come to fulfillment and it's it's made it extremely clear that it's the name of Jesus that given among men that is the greatest name of all there isn't any other there there can't be any other name by which we are saved this is the Lord's doing, and it is indeed marvelous in our eyes. Now, if we can, let's return to the chat room just a little bit and see if we haven't pulled up an answer to that. What what other name, uh, and I've put that in quotes, What, by what other name do we recognize this preaching of the resurrection? Do you have that for us?
0: Yes. We have uh, Gre- uh, Gregor Hinkley says, The Gospel of Jesus Christ as one of the answers, and he also says, and it is truly the good news. He's exactly right. You you look at 1
2: Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, and you'll find very quickly that Paul defines the gospel as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures, that is according to the prophecies. So let's factor in a truth factor point here, uh, and and then we're... I'm going to move on to Paul and have him help us in this discussion. I would suggest that one of the greatest truth factor points from our study thus far is that the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ remains the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, to preach in any other name is vain. To preach any other subject is vain. Uh, I remember one time there was a fellow that asked me that when I say we know no, Christ and him crucified, where do we get the subjects of marriage? Where do we get the subjects of morality? Where do we get the subjects of uh, how to take communion uh, or eldership and all these different things? And my answer to him was that if we preach Christ and him crucified, we're going to include all those things that Jesus endorsed because that's part of the gospel, the root factor, the stone, the chief cornerstone, this foundation beginning is Jesus Christ, and if it's not laid to the foundation square to all four corners, then it would be off. Jesus is, is absolutely perfect, and so with the apostles and prophets in that foundation, Ephesians grew, it's a perfect foundation, and thus the perfect church, and I would dare say the only church. Are there yeah. on the panel that, that would like to add to that before we go to Paul? Yeah, uh, Mike. Just just real quickly, uh,
4: sure. add to the observation that you just made. Uh, we have an example in Acts chapter eight, which we'll get to in a few weeks, where preaching Jesus involved a lot of things. In that particular passage, it involved baptism. It did indeed. So, so, so you've indeed. got you've got an example of that with Jesus. You know, preaching Jesus is preaching a lot of
2: different things. It, it is indeed, Tom, and that's a great observation, Paul. If you would please. Uh, let, let me add the second chat room question, and then I'm going to ask you to go to Acts 4, 13 through 17 and discuss that for us. But let's add a second question to the chat room. Obvious reason by which the rulers note that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Uh, some folks wouldn't make that observation as quickly, and so we want the audience, if they would please, to to read and study and think about that. And we'll come to that question in just a little bit. Paul, beginning with verse 13, go down through verse 17 for us, and uh, then we've got some questions for you. Be happy to do that. Mike, uh, we'll be reading in Acts
1: chapter 4, 13 through 17. The scripture says there, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, uh, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak no us uh, to no other man in this
2: name. Thank you, Paul. Peter and John had come from the area of Galilee. By trade, they were fishermen. And it seems through the letters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that many people thought that Galileans uh, were just not the the. the the most intelligent of people, that it didn't take a great Einstein, if, we, if you will, to be a fisherman. But what is it about these rulers that they they noticed that Peter and John are unlearned and untrained, but yet they'd been with Jesus? How, how's this all come about here?
1: Well, uh, Mike, when we think about the unlearned and untrained portion of that, uh, certainly, you uh, It seems that those who were from Galilee had a certain sound about them, maybe a certain accent or or a certain uh, way of talking. And they were not known from being like those who would have been uh, raised and trained and taught in Jerusalem, Uh, but instead they uh, would have been people like fishermen and and others and not had that high level of education. And so, uh, in whatever way that they spoke, we see other occasions where they are called out because of how they speak uh now when you see here the boldness that they spoke with it would not be typical for someone who was unlearned and untrained uneducated uh to be uh so bold as to try to instruct others and to teach with such great authority uh, as they were teaching and maybe i'm stepping on the uh chat room question just a little bit
2: no, that's fine but,
1: <laughs> but as we think about that that here they uh would bring forth those kinds of teachings, and they thought this is not typical of uh, men who are raised as fishermen or men who were raised uh in in the more rural settings uh than uh, those doctors of the law, those Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and high priests and and such
2: well i, I agree with that they these uh rulers were kind of self, uh, self-proclaimed self uh, gurus, if you will. They were the pious men of the nation. But with that, these same rulers are beholding this man that was born lame. Everybody knew that, and now he's perfectly whole. What what conclusion did they reach here at verse 16?
1: Well, it's very interesting as we read down through that, that uh, in, in the context, including verse 16, but also back in for, verse 14, they could say nothing against it. And so they send them out of the assembly. They send Peter and John uh, out of the assembly. They want to they talk among themselves. And their concern is that they cannot deny that a notable miracle has been done. Now, what's very concerning about this is they're still trying to stop the teaching. Uh, They are admitting that what's been done is some great thing, a great thing, uh, undoubtedly from God. But they're not really concerned with that. Uh, They're just concerned with stopping this movement, not whether it's right or whether it's wrong, but just putting an end to it. And and they reach the conclusion there, as you mentioned in verse 16, uh, that everyone around knows that this is a miracle. And we ourselves We can't find any reason to deny it either.
2: So what do they do then to Peter and John? How are they going to slow this down and stop it? (laughs) Well, uh, they give them a good talking to. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) It says, so that it spreads no farther from among the people, let us severely threaten them. Uh, In other words, if you do this again, you're in big trouble. Uh, And uh, sometimes that's going to involve, uh, in other occasions, beatings and uh imprisonment uh, yes. but at this point in time uh they
2: are threatening would you say that these rulers then are just dumbfounded by the reality of Jesus and the effectiveness of the gospel yeah
1: that they don't uh there's they want to oppose it uh, it's it's against them personally it seems uh it's going to limit their uh, influence if fishermen can teach this gospel uh, what are we going to do as Pharisees and as you know doctors and uh, men who are considered to be the experts? What are we going to do if here people are turning to these guys to, to listen
2: to, to the truth? Well, and included with that are Sadducees who absolutely refuse the resurrection. And yet it's through a man who has been raised from the dead with the apostles and over 500 brethren being witnesses to it. All of the pious world seems to be crashing down around them by the reality of Jesus.
1: Yeah, Tom just posted in a in a private chat here that he would use the word frustrated. I think that's probably right. I think
2: that's right. I I don't know how you guys can keep up with the chat room could, uh, uh, between us and this. I don't know. You guys are too techy for me. I can't get that done. But, uh,
1: but, but I, I thought that was a good good comment. It is a good
2: comment. I appreciate that, Tom. And
1: Not trying to uh, – uh, they, they have no answer to it, so just don't do it again. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's
2: kind of a knee-jerk reaction to it. Uh, it. It is. It's very frustrating to them. But now let, let's go back to the chat room a minute. What is, what is this obvious thing that shows these rulers that Peter and John had been with Jesus? What, what kind of answers did we get with that, John. Hello, John. Uh, John may have had to step away for a minute.
1: I'm not seeing anything in the uh, YouTube chat, uh, and I know that yeah. we're having trouble today. For those of you who are watching, we're having some trouble with the Facebook chat, uh, okay. and I don't see any updated answer there.
2: Well, let, let's just share it then, uh, at yeah. least from what thoughts I had when I wrote the outline. Uh, not to I've got all the right answers. But I think it's uncanny to realize that here's two fishermen who the rulers recognize as, not, uh, as being uh, uneducated, untrained, unlearned, and inexperienced men. And yet they're preaching with this great boldness that you spoke of, Paul. I think one of the things that becomes so obvious is that they're not afraid to credit Jesus the Christ with all of this glory and power. They did not take this this miracle to their own credit. uh, Whether the man that was healed ever obeyed the gospel or not is unknown to us. By the same token, the power of Jesus, the fact that the gospel's been preached, the fact that everything is credited to him, there's no way to deny that these people had been with Jesus, are converted to him, and not going to change. So I guess the real question I'm asking is, and anyone on the panel is welcome to answer this one, is that same type of observance seen in Christians today? And people tell that we are totally converted to Christ by our words and our deeds. Well, and my answer to that is it needs to be, but that
4: that doesn't necessarily mean that it is. I mean, because we're uh, we're, we're we're living in a time where if you dare to question anybody, it's politically incorrect. And we're also living in a time where the gospel is, uh, I think, under more assault than it has been in previous generations and so on. So to, to boldly proclaim your faith in Jesus takes more courage today. Some yeah. will do it, uh,
2: but not everyone. Well and and you're right Tom you and I've talked privately about it you live in an area that is politically renowned for denying righteousness and morality and uh those kind ty- of uh, types of things and yet the church exists yes i th- i think of countries where god is absolutely abhorred uh and yet the church is there the gospel is there Paul said to the church at Colossae, has preached to every creature under heaven. One of the things that that interests me, and, and anyone's welcome to add to this, when Paul wrote to, to Corinth, he said, if our gospel's hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If the lost are lost because they do not have the gospel, it's puzzled me what God would do with those of us that have that gospel and refuse to share it. Obviously, Peter and John were very eager to share it, and and the, the results of that are just incredibly marvelous. Right. John, are you back on with us now? Yes. Okay. We lost you there for a little bit. Yes, Tom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah real quick, before you move on to the
4: next section, I, I think it is just worthy of mention Peter's Peter and John's answer as recorded in verses 19 and 20. Please. Where... Where where he makes the observation there, you know whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God you judge for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Basically, what Peter is saying is, uh, and we see this a little bit later on, uh, we ought to obey. We we're going to obey God over you, and 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 here are these religious leaders professing to follow after God. How are they going to answer that? You know, That's when, true. when when somebody says to them, you know. Peter said, we've preached in the name of Jesus. And and then he, he just makes the point, you know, we're going to preach what God wants us to preach. How are you going to argue with that?
2: That's true. That is true. John, if you would, please read for us verses 18 through 22 and uh, we've got some questions for
0: you, my friend. All right, Mike, I can do that. 18 through 22. Okay, all right, so beginning there, we find the Apostle Paul, Paul, not Paul, Peter, he goes on in this discussion, he says, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. All right. Now,
2: Tom uh, introduced this. I'm going to let you finish it for us. Once Peter and John are commanded by these magistrates or rulers, if you will, to stop preaching Christ and him crucified, how Peter react to that?
0: It's an interesting statement that Peter said, because these individuals are professed followers of God, so they've been really stringent to try to hold the, the law of God. Um, of course, they were hypocritical. And there's other issues, creating laws and all that. But Peter kind of uses a very good argument. You leaders, you decide if it's better for me to obey you or God.
4: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, you 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 think about that for a moment. And then Peter says, um, but we cannot but help to do the things that we have been commanded to do. You know, so he, he uses their own supposed faithfulness against them. That's pretty
2: well the way Christ would answer things too, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he turned the situation to where they, could, they were actually condemned to themselves. And so I'm, I'm convinced the apostles learned this type of, of retort through listening and studying how how Jesus replied. But now that he's answered that, what are these leaders going to do, and what does that do to the people?
0: Well, it is a very perplexing situation that they're in, looking at it from their standpoint. Um, a little bit later, they're going to acknowledge that, when we jump over to chapter 5, and they're back on trial all the apostles, they're going to realize that they cannot deny that these wonderful things had been done. And so because they feared the people, they simply verbally threatened the apostles or Peter and John and sent them out. Uh, the people had seen that a glory, glorious thing had been done, and they feared the reaction of the people this time.
2: And the action was that all men glorified God for that yeah. which was done. They, they just right. simply couldn't. But how old was this fellow,
0: John? He was somewhere over forty years old.
2: Young man, to us, wasn't he?
0: <laughs> Unless he was eighty and they're just being kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: It says that he was above forty years old, and I yeah. don't think that I think the spirit would have allowed Luke to say he was fifty if he was fifty. <laughs> I so, yeah. agree. In our in our judgment, he's a young man. There you well, go. hey, let's uh. Let's factor in one more point here, and then, John, I'm going to open up something to you that you brought up in a private conversation with us last week, but I I thought you were interested enough in it that you've already studied it ahead. That's why I assigned it to you. But the truth factor point would be that there is simply no greater name than Jesus. It's in his name and the fact that he is the only begotten son of God. That we confess before, uh, that, that we confess him as the Son of God before being immersed into Christ. We will confess him at the judgment. In fact, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. I, it, it simply astounds me that people think that some other name is equally as good as the name of Jesus Christ, and it, it just simply is not. John, at, at beginning at verse 23 and down through verse 31, The apostles returned to their own company, that is the brethren. And whether it's Peter or John, uh, it's difficult to determine exactly. I've always credited to, to Peter, but nonetheless, there, there is a prayer made that is very reflective of Psalm chapter two, verses one through three. And I'd like for you to discuss for us, please, why Peter would bring this into his prayer. What's the answer to, to why he prayed this? Are they experiencing the fulfillment of that prophecy? What's what's all this got to do with Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 through 3?
0: Well, Mike, would you like me to read the section before we talk about it? Please, if
2: you would, yes.
0: Okay. So it's picking up there in 23, and you said down to verse 31, I believe.
2: Well, you can stop at verse 30 if you want, and then we'll get to 31, but that's okay.
0: Right. Sounds good. And being let go, they went. To their own companions, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David had said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Mike, when we take a moment and look at this particular section, like you mentioned while well ago, we do fulfill. We do see um, these brethren; they're coming together. They pray to the heavenly Father, and effectively, it sounds like that their reference to Psalms, verses chapter two, verses one through three, they are using that in application of what Peter and John has gone through, being being arrested, and not just that, but there were going to be other things that were to come about that would have the leaders of the Jews raging, the Gentiles raging, if you would, against those who are proclaiming the word of God. And so when, when we see the fulfillment of this prophecy, not, not just with them, but I do believe with, with all who would preach the word of the Lord, think ahead to the stoning, of course, of Stephen there, They Mm -hmm. are praying for this courage. They're praying for the strength to be able to endure. Um, Now, what is interesting, when you look there at verse 27 and following, they acknowledge that everything that has been done has been accordance to the will of God. You know, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, uh, the Gentiles, Mm -hmm. people of Israel, all these things were determined and purposed by God, uh, before time. So their request is to look upon the threats and grant their servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Now, here's something, we, we, we're covering this in our Sunday morning Bible class, and I thought this was interesting. If we were to stop at verse 29 and ask the question, how? Okay. Mm-hmm. How how are they wanting to be uh, strengthened with boldness? Well, look at verse thirty. The by is kind of answering that question by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus, in other words, they're appealing to the Lord to continue these signs and these miracles because not only does it bring confirmation but it also brings courage and boldness to those who would declare the word. now when they were done with the prayer in verse thirty well, no, we stopped at verse thirty so That's
2: okay. I I was just going to say to you, John, that in in light of that, does it not also prove that they're giving all of the power, all of the glory, all of the praise to God the Father and Christ his Son, taking none upon themselves for all these signs and wonders and and the goodness that comes by preaching the gospel?
0: Yeah, exactly. They're they're asking the Lord to continue doing these things so they can have strength. They're not saying, Lord— you know, we want to keep on doing this, but he's at, they're asking them keep on doing this, please, so that we can Absolutely. have this strength. Yeah, right.
4: so that yeah, and, and and you, I'm not, go ahead, Tom. As I, I was say, and, and in addition to giving him all the praise, they're also giving him the rejection, as, as in the reason for the rejection. You know, uh, one of the things Jesus reminded his disciples of is uh, when you're rejected. Uh, he didn't use the wording, but basically, don't take it personally. You know, right, uh, uh, and, and, and you see that in here. they're praising God even though they're, even though they're suffering because they will praise Him because they're counted worthy
2: to suffer for His name when we get to a little later chapter. Well, without being derogatory toward any of us here and any others that are preaching and listening, there isn't any of us preachers that have a big enough name to call attention to ourselves for what effect we might have in preaching the gospel of Christ. Uh, If we get the big head over preaching the gospel of Christ, I've said it hundreds of times, if I start bragging on me, somebody better jerk me out of the pulpit. It has nothing to do with any of us in the flesh. It's all about the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So with that, are there other comments before we factor in another, uh, another point of truth here? Brian, you've been pretty silent over there on the West Coast. If you want to say something, unmute your mic and say it. No, no,
5: Michael, we've we've really been covering everything well. I think I'd, anything I'd say just be uh, following it on top of everyone else. So we've had
2: well, to- I'm going to put something to you then, Brian. That that's right. the outline. Please read and discuss for us verse 31.
5: All right. So when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so, um, well, just to discuss that, it really is a remarkable thing. Again, it doesn't seem to be the same event that happened back in Acts chapter 2, but it does seem to kind of reflect the the concept that as they pray, their prayers are directly and immediately being uh, responded to by God, and that's a profound thing, uh, and that their boldness is is asserted. I can only imagine what it would be like to, to pray for boldness and then to— to have the whole building start to shake from that. That would really be a remarkable yeah. experience.
2: What What's your thoughts on that they were all filled with the Spirit? Well, you know, it's interesting you
5: say that, Mike, because oftentimes when we consider that term, we look at it two ways. I think the most common way that that idea is used is that they are filled with spiritual understanding. For example, in two more chapters in Acts chapter 6, we're going to be introduced to the seven men who uh, will be servants of the church and we're told that they are men that must be filled with the spirit and then in acts chapter 7 when we meet stephen we find that his being filled with the spirit meant that he was able to uh to present credible scriptural cases for uh, the identity of Jesus Christ. So, you, Mike, I, I can understand some might lean to to some degree to some of the miraculous things of the Spirit. I suspect, though, really what we're saying here is the idea that they are filled with spiritual understanding, since it says right after that that they spoke the Word of God with boldness. So, and
2: I appreciate so I like that answer very much, Brian. With that. Yeah, I appreciate that answer. There are so many people that want to put this into the spiritual gift realm. And it, it simply doesn't fit there. It, it is the attitude, and I, I appreciate your response to that question. I very much do. Thank you for your help in that. Hey, my- Sheldon. Um, yes.
0: <laughs> One thing, and, and I'm not going to, I'm not disagreeing with what Brian said, but it did remind me, and I know the the situation is a little bit different, but when Peter gave his answer to the rulers, his defense, um, you'll notice that it does say that Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, began mm-hmm. to speak there, verse 8. Um, we, we, a lot of times we have to let the context help us understand the way that phrase is used.
2: Yes. Peter was indeed baptized with the Spirit, being an apostle, mm-hmm. and filled with it. The, uh, but when it's applied to those that were not apostles, it, it is the attitude, their understanding. And uh,
0: is, you're, is it- you're right. you right. got to look to the context. Is it possible, and I guess it's always possible, that all of the companions present had received the gift of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands? We can't make the assumption, but that a possibility is there.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. But um, I understand
0: what you're saying, though. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, we're a long way from it, but it's 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 similar to. Um, well, I'm not even going to bring it up because it's not okay. that similar, and I don't want to confuse people today. No, that's but it, it it is let, let me go to Colossians 3 and 17 and I believe that helps uh, 316 and 17 where Paul said let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom they couldn't go to their written down New Testament and and gain faith from that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God Romans 1017 they weren't able to do that at this point it hadn't been written it wasn't completed they had the Old Testament in written form. But the apostles, being baptized with the Spirit, had the fullness of this knowledge and understanding, being with the, with the brethren. They perchance chance laid their hands on some of these. There's no record of that. But by the same token, they're able to speak to them. They're able to listen. They're able to learn. They're going to gain a greater appreciation with the signs and wonders being added to what these apostles are preaching. And and I believe that's the the statement here. They were all filled with the Spirit. This is this is the most encouraging event that's happened since the coming of the Church on Pentecost Day. And uh, so th- this is this is a marvelous thing. I'm going to let you split it between yourselves here. Uh, to uh, one of you read the uh, verses 32 through 37, and we're going to have to hasten this. It looks like we got about seven, maybe eight minutes here before the hour. So. Uh, Kind of flip the coin, one of you read, and then both of you can discuss for us verses 32 to 37 as we close the chapter.
4: Yeah, well, we've already yeah, worked this out, right. so,
2: so Sheldon
3: will read for us. <laughs> okay. Starting in verse 32, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands and of houses sold them and brought them uh, brought the proceeds of those things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And I'm not sure how to say that word, but we'll say joses. Uh, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the uh, country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet.
2: Hey, thank you, Sheldon. Tom, uh, in verse 33, here's that phrase, the resurrection of the dead again. Yep. What are, what are these guys doing? What, what is the marvel about all this? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, first of all, real
4: quickly, note in verse 32 that they were of one heart and soul. So you've got this unity that brought them together, which caused them to do what they did. And as a result of that, a, a, and that unity was a result of the resurrection of Jesus. You know, I, I've often preached and, and we rightfully emphasize his death. You know, it, it is the shedding of his blood that uh, gives us the remission of our sins, but it is his resurrection that gives us hope. It's not complete without the resurrection. The resurrection is what separates Jesus across from every other world religion since time began, you know, where this worth it, uh where this world is concerned and so on. And so here you got the, uh, they continue to give witness of the resurrection of Jesus. That's the, that's the, the focal point that uh, makes the gospel what the gospel is. And so that's what I see in that.
2: Well, I appreciate that, Tom. Sheldon, you mentioned there, as you read, that uh, Joseph, whose surname was Barnabas by the apostles, uh, Barnabas has a certain meaning here. What is that? The son of encouragement.
3: Uh, and what a wonderful thing to be known as, as, as well as a a member of the brethren, uh, you know, to be named the son of the apostles or the, the son of encouragement by the apostles would would be a great honor. And of course, we see more of Barnabas uh,
2: later as we go through the book of Acts. You certainly do. And and what a great encouragement it is. all bring the proceeds of their sales to the apostles' feet, lay it down, the brethren are are taken care of by a proper distrib- distribution of these funds so that they can be taken care of. And that, that brings us to the close of this fourth chapter. So let's, let's just sum it uh, with a couple of factors, and then I'll turn it back to John uh, to close our session together uh, today. Again, point one that we would want people to take from this study is that the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ remains the power of God unto salvation, not a power of God, but the power of God. And the second point to take from our study is that there's simply no greater name than Jesus. With that, you have his death, his burial, his resurrection. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the very name that we must confess before we are immersed. It is the name that every soul will confess at the day of judgment. There won't be anybody in heaven but what they've confessed and praised that name. And sadly, there won't be anybody in the eternity of hell. But what they've also recognized, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, would be so much better if they'd confess and obey that while in this life and stay faithful to the gospel that they might have heaven eternal. Thank you for your study. We'll turn it back to you.
0: mike i appreciate that um for those watching on our live stream i just got notification that our facebook stream may have gone down prematurely so just you'll find out later what happened like to thank mike you did a good job i don't mean to sound surprised mike um (laughs) (laughs) thank you john appreciate you you did you you handled that very well and i appreciate it and you moved it right along and and I, i appreciate that um it's one of the neat things that we were able to do and with this technology, and we often say this, being able to sit down and study the Word of God, but not having to be in the same room with one another. Um, we're in the same faith, but not the same room. And um, We'd like to thank you so much for joining our study today. It means a lot to us that you're willing to take your time and uh, consider the truths of the word of god if you're watching this at a later point in time and you'd like to contact us you can uh, contact us via the information you'll see on the screen 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 there as paul mentioned at the start of our study today we'd love to hear from you we'd love to have your thoughts and comments gentlemen let's see let's plan to continue acts chapter 5 who has acts 5 for next week I guess we need to look at that, don't we? Somebody has Acts five.
1: <laughs> if no one has it, I'll take it.
0: But... Okay. Well, we'll check the list there, and and if and if not, we'll we'll uh, throw Paul under the bus with Acts chapter five. All right, Lord willing, if everything goes according to plan, we'll be back here again next Wednesday. Let me think about that. We're on spring break next week, but for right now, next Wednesday at eleven o'clock a.m. Central Time.
1: It's spring break here already, but it will be at noon Eastern time.
4: Yeah, spring break for my wife here, but at nine a.m. Pacific time.
5: And spring break's not for a long time here,
0: so it's <laughs> ten a.m. Mountain time. <laughs> Shelton, anything?
3: I I don't have any weird ones. I left my my uh, booklet of them at home.
0: We'll wave at the camera what did you say wave at the camera oh (laughs) (laughs) it's right here at live.truthfactor.com have a wonderful week